much for coming. Thank you. All right. You're the first one in person. Yeah. First guest ever in person. Well, yeah. since the pandemic. Cool. And this is kind of a side-by-side -side podcast. Yeah, we're very, just figuring it out here. Very interesting. At more games. <laughs> I, I don't know. All right. Cool. Okay, so we met a few weeks ago at Venice Comedy Compound. Yeah, we met at a comedy show in a parking lot in Venice where uh, we had uh, comic comics, uh, uh, spectators, and homeless people <laughs> watching over us. So it was a very interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it was fun. Mm. And it continues to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're a comic, obviously. Well, I'm not. I, I, I still having a, a hard time kind of describing myself as a comic. Uh, and since I don't do anything else substantial, I just describe myself as that. But it's kind of like it's very difficult to always tell my story to people. Because people ask me, what do you do? What have you done? And whatever. And then I have to kind of start the story from the beginning. And then it just takes a kind of a totally different turn when I tell the story. Because you've done so much, I don't, it's, I don't even know where to start because you told me your story and I'm like, wait, what? And then you tell it in your comedy as well. And I'm like, he's done what, he was a heart surgeon? Yeah. And, and comedian and you've had your, you've hosted your own shows. Now you have a children's book and you're working on all these other projects. I mean, you've done, you've accomplished so much. I don't know if I've accomplished, I've done stuff. When I doing, <laughs> doing is different than accomplishing. But yes, I was a heart surgeon for uh, 19 years, like studied for seven years, 12 years as a working uh, surgeon, a heart surgeon in Egypt. And then at the time, I didn't even think about entertainment or television or comedy. And I at, the ta at that time, I was actually on the way to come to Cleveland because I did, uh, I passed all my American exams and I was accepted in a fellowship in Cleveland and uh, I was getting ready to travel and then the Arab Spring happened and then when the Arab Spring happened I did those YouTube videos satirizing the state front media for making f for for uh, misleading the public mm -hmm. so I was always mesmerized by John Stewart so I did like a kind of like a very cheap knockoff version of it on YouTube and then I didn't think it would go anywhere I was just getting time waiting for my visa to come to come to Cleveland and uh Suddenly it went off and went viral, and then every single TV station in the region wanted to hire me to do a show. And even the people who wanted to hire me, it thought it was like, it's just going to be an internet sensation that will not last. And the thing, next thing I know, we went into three and a half seasons uh, with, uh, with 40 million people watching every episode. It was the biggest show in the Arab world. And that's 40 million people only, only watching it in Egypt. And it was all over the Arab world, and uh, it kind of the show got me in trouble with the government, whether under the Islamists or under the army. Under the Islamists, there was like a warrant for my arrest, I was interrogated, and then I was, you know, released on bail, and I was interrogated for my jokes. And then under the army, you know, the same people who supported me when I was making fun of the Islamists didn't accept me making fun of what the army was doing. And um, I ended up having my show canceled a few times, and then I left everything I came to America, starting all over again. And now I'm trying to reinvent my life, reinvent myself, doing comedy with, in, 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 a, in a second language, my second mm -hmm. language in English, which is, I mean, comedy in itself is difficult, mm -hmm. but to do it in your second language, try to do stand-up comedy, it is extremely hard and uh, it's very uh, intimidating. I think you're amazing. 
I, I can't even imagine like everything that you've been through and then to start over again. It's an amazing story. Whether I'm an amazing or not, that's a different issue mm, because I, I need to be also successful because people remember you of what the last thing that you've done. So I cannot really live on that legacy. Oh, I did that big show in Egypt, whatever. And people say, oh yeah, you are here, all right, good for you. What can you do? You know, we cannot really live on that gig forever. That's true, but you have accomplished so much and now you ha you're basically starting over. So uh, you've had so many different lives in your life. I feel like you had, you were a surgeon and then you had, you know, like your shows and your comedy and now you're, you're here and you're starting over and you've written this children's book and you have a documentary and I feel like you've done... The documentary was funny because it was made about me. It's called Tickling Giants and it... Uh, the producer of the Daily Show, one of the producers of the Daily Show, followed me for four years, and I always joke about, uh, you know, having a documentary made about you because usually documentaries are done about dead people or peluga whales. So it's kind of like to be <laughs> alive and have a documentary about you, without being like some sort of a corrupt uh, uh, gangster kingpin or something. It's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So I want to hear just your, okay, so the, the, the whole point of why I wanted to do a podcast in the first place is just to tell people's stories that are inspiring to me. And from what I know about you, you inspire me. Thank you. And I think that you can inspire us, you can, uh, I can't talk, inspire a lot of people out there. Um, so I would just like to hear like, First of all, how you even became a surgeon? What made you want to quit that and, and get into this industry? And, and where do you see yourself like going next? Like, I want to hear like just your whole story for those that don't really know. So how to become a surgeon? That's easy. I was a nerd. I was studied hard at school. I was always top of my class. And there's a path for people like us, you know? going into the top colleges because it would be a waste to waste your grades on a, on a college that's not top, which is in our culture, it's either engineering or medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, it's, it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went into medicine. So I always went because I just qualified for it. Uh, I, I, it was more of an exclusion if it had, because my brother did the engineering part, so I, cannot, I don't have to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I hated engineering. But medicine is something I can understand. I can understand a fact, memorize it, know it, and just, you know. Were you ever passionate about it, or was it something that you were just good at and it came No, I was just something that I was good at. I was never pa really passionate. I never, I discovered after 19 years of spending my life into that career that I was never actually passionate about that job. And uh, when it's kind of as if I was waiting for an excuse to leave it. Mm -hmm. So when I switched, when I did that comedy show, at the first year and a half, I was still uh, a doctor because I was afraid that this gig would not work so I can have something to go back to. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then after a year and a half, I just resigned uh, and I just, all right, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be in uh, entertainment. And I did the show and uh, it was very, it's a show was interesting. Uh, it was, it was of course popular, but very controversial because uh, it is not just it was not just a comedy show it was a political satire show mm -hmm. so people will always judge you according to their political affiliation mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're funny or not it doesn't matter if you hit your punchlines or not it really matters if they agree with your thesis or not mm -hmm. 
so a lot of people will kind of like dismiss the comedy just because they would have a different opinion. And by the way, this is not just in Egypt, it's everywhere. Yeah. And um, so I did the show and the show, as I said, like, you know, it had a lot of obstacles and uh, there was a lot of uh, pushback and uh, I, I had to leave. And it was very um, uh, difficult to see this thing that you build to being taken away from you overnight and then you have to leave everything. And the scariest part is to try to start your life and reinvent your life. Uh, like your life uh, again and I think now uh, if you ask me what is the most what do you find most inspiring about the story it's not the show uh, I know that this is what defines me for a lot of people who know me especially for my part of the world who know who I am and who like what the show did and it was a big part but it is kind of breaking free from it mm -hmm. that was the most difficult and I think the most interesting thing that I have done because if you have created something so big, you're more likely than not kind of fall into that cycle of holding on to it and 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 refusing to let it go and it's your security and define it and kind of like and and just like sulk over it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. And what I did was I I took a conscious decision, saying, "This is in the past. I'm not going to be able to recreate it again. It doesn't matter if I do it from outside. It, it has. It, you cannot do it again." from your from your own country although that i was offered a lot of offers from other countries to do it but it's kind of like as a to be used as a political weapon and i didn't want to play this game mm -hmm. and i i said if i cannot do it freely in my own country with my own vocation my own will i will not be able to do it so i i had to leave everything and doing that here was interesting because there was a, a huge this is where your fans turn against you. Yeah. Because they only want to see you in that. Mm -hmm. Because this is how they're familiar with you. So it was uh, interesting and at the same time, very disheartening to see the people who used to like you kind of attack you viciously because you wanted to do something else. And I didn't want to do something else because I quit. I were because, because I, can't, I can't do it. You cannot do it from outside the country. And, you, uh, and the thing is like, oh, why don't you do it on YouTube? It's like, why? It doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. You do it from your own country. You 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 bear the consequences from your for your actions and your words from inside your country. You don't do it outside, and then that so see people get all riled up, and then they pay the price while you're living comfortably outside. Right. So uh, I, I when I did stand up comedy in English, even some of my Arab Arabic fans would come to the show. And it will make me feel bad about it. It's like, oh, we wish we do it in Arabic. We wish that you say this stuff. It's, it's kind of like they are really kind of, they lock themselves into that mm -hmm. era. Because that era was, that period of time was consistent, was, was linked to the whole thing about the hope and freedom and, mm -hmm. and the hope of a different life and whatever. And it was taken away. So the show, when it came, it's kind of associated with that. So. Right. They, they, you know how we know like when how love kills you. This is too much love killing you, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, it, it made me feel sad because I saw Americans or Arabs living in America responding more to me doing my new thing more than people who are used to me doing my show back home. Mm -hmm. And then when I did the children's book, it's like oh, it's children's book. It's like, that. and then when I um, when turned into veganism, I, and I was always a vegan for eight years, and well, uh, I, oh, gonna, that's a different thing. Sorry, okay, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going okay? to different no, things. No, I wanted to stop you and say so. So first, I wanted to ask, and then we'll get back to the. Ch I want to ask about the children's book. Was it difficult 
to get into the entertainment industry when you decided that you didn't want to be a doctor anymore? Well, for me, it's different because I did the entertainment. My entry to the entertainment uh, industry was this, like, in spite of the entertainment guardians, oh, right? Okay. Because I did this on YouTube. And it exploded. And exploded. So people okay. wanted me. So now people's like, oh, we get you. So we, it's kind of like I've already established myself on the internet before I even went into the door. Right. Okay. Okay. So that will give you leverage when you yeah. negotiate. Then I wanted to ask you, um, I just didn't want to interrupt because I was like fascinated with your story. But um, when everything started to go down with your country, were you ever really scared for your life or your family's life or like how did that feel to have your country then kind of like turn against you and you, your show got canceled and i didn't feel that much fear because I, I i think i have consciously kind of blocked it from my mind i would think i was more uh, concerned about if i did a bad episode or if really? i did oh yeah i was actually worried that like my jokes didn't land more than I would actually be killed. I was actually, I was more afraid of Twitter than a shot into my head. Because if a shot comes into your head, that's it, it's done. It's done. But then when somebody's like, you're not that funny, that's actually hurts even more. So that's I, I, I was even, like, yeah, I was, I was concerned about the rea people's reaction more than my, my, my own safety, which wow. is crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so now we're back at the children's book. What but you see, you if, you, if, you, if you put into prison, Mm -hmm. or you get hurt mm -hmm. and you live it you have a story to tell <laughs> that's true but if somebody calls you or you're not funny there's no like, then your like, whole you're dream is crushed yeah, I'm, I'm done well i think you're funny uh, you're just i do i do think you're funny you're being too nice. Thank you. um so how did you i know you have kids mm -hmm. two kids two kids how did you i mean obviously i think your daughter probably inspired your book yeah um, so what made you want to write a children's book? So uh, it was interesting because I was talking to my managers about writing a children's book and at that time I wasn't even sold on the idea of writing a children's book. So they told me, you know, think about it. And, and when I thought about it, I said, maybe my experience can inspire that children's book. Because it, uh, I thought that like many of our problems in adult life, when we cannot live together or understand each other or, you know, you know, um, play along. It, 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 I think these problems maybe were not addressed as young children. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, the middle school is where children get aware, uh, become aware of the political climate. What does it mean to be different? What does it mean to be discriminated against? What does it mean to be for an outsider? Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe I would write a, 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 a book inspired by my experience, but I will add magic and storytelling and uh, and humor to a children's book, so it doesn't become like really on the nose. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the book follows my daughter and a, a daughter of an like, you know a, a girl from an immigrant family who comes in and she finds this uh, ma magical amulet and this magical amulet has like a, a an ancient teacher, Egyptian teacher that was locked in for thousands of years. So it's kind of like the Aladdin okay. uh, genie, yeah. and he comes in from a different and he tries to help to help her through her. Uh, struggles in the middle school through taking her into magical trips through history because at the end of the day history really repeats itself mm -hmm. and what we go through now we have went through before yeah. so uh, by understanding where she comes from she can deal with what with what she's going through in her new life so that was the thing and um, 
we are about to go and pitch it for as an animation uh, uh, project. So we, we have a production house that's very interested in it. So we're very excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think kids need a, a show like that. For sure. Have your kids uh, adjusted? Because they were born. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, yeah. yeah, they're adjusted. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're like all, yeah, and I think it's like there's not, not nothing really to adjust other than waiting on customer service for hours. <laughs> but otherwise, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an easy country to adjust to. I mean, in my, in my own experience, of course, it, uh, everyone's experience is different. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then I want to go back to you said you were vegan. I'm Pretty much, I don't want to call myself a vegan because I'm not 100%, but I eat mostly vegan. So, what got you into eating vegan? No, so uh, eight years ago, I, I met a friend of mine who had uh, MS, multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. and he kind of made, made uh, he was able to reverse or control his disease by his diet. And I was mesmerized as a doctor, I was one of those people who made fun of vegans. Mm -hmm. So, I um, I decided to try it and I tried it and I felt great and then when I felt great I started to talk about it and then I started to convert people around me or even kind of like modify their food and then people became healthier around me so I said like I'm gonna take this and make it a project so I created a whole website called Plant B and I created like videos and I created like and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm building an app and I'm doing projects in the Middle East in order to promote this and I even I was able to create the first ever uh, vegan show in the Arab world uh, last year, and it was actually booked as one of the regional uh, shows. And this is one of the things also. I mean, this is like a, my own personal life, and I kind of like made it into use and and to help people. But again, this comes again the reaction of the people who only want to see you as that guy who's doing political satire in Arabic. And the kind of um, rejection and uh, ridicule that I got because of that was interesting. And it's very interesting to see how people use that to attack you. So they always, oh, you know, go back to the kitchen. It's kind of like this what you tell women, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, food and cooking is related to what women do. So it's kind of a more of a chauvinistic kind of a way to... Um, uh, belittle people. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning it was kind of annoying me. But it's kind of, as much as it annoyed me, it kind of gave me some sort of a motivation to prove that the thing that was ridiculed the most, I will make it the most successful. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm doing right now. I'm kind of like, you know, I can, uh, eight years ago when I started, it was like people thought like I was going into some sort of a media suicide. But now, uh, in eight years, I have created a community. I have created a trend that was not there eight years ago. And uh, I, uh, using my platform to talk about it, as much as there's so many negative and, and, and uh, negative comments of people who kind of disagree, but on the other side, the amount of messages that come to me every day and telling me how this has improved their lives, how it, did, how it helped with their parents' diseases, how they it made them uh, get off medication. Mm -hmm. That kind of a thing that makes me going. Mm -hmm. Because before that, nobody really talked about it. Right. With, with that, I mean, they they were, but they didn't have that kind of reach. And uh, I'm using that power for good in yeah, order to, to, cre to create a platform for people to even be better and even make it a successful business mm -hmm. and a successful media project. So, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully those haters is gonna hate and, you know, uh, hopefully soon I will prove them wrong again. You will, you will. I love that you just keep reinventing yourself and 
there are people that have so many ideas that never follow through and I feel like you've always followed through with your ideas and that's all it takes is just action and I feel like when you have an idea that you know you have to do like you do it and and it works for you I I truly feel like no matter what you want to do you're just that person that is going to do it and and I'm excited about these new projects yeah yeah well yeah and and going back to comedy it was uh, I think that is actually another thing that was something that made me um uh it still is a, a big part of my insecurity about doing comedy in a second language because I started stand-up comedy in two, uh, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it is not really about translating. It's not really about having a good command of the language. Mm -hmm. You can be as fluent as you can. You can be uh, outspoken. You can be very eloquent. But when it comes to comedy, stand-up comedy in mm -hmm. specific, it's something else. It's like the mm -hmm. delivery, the pacing, the timing, so the pausing, everything. It's kind of like a whole mindset. I had to rewire my brain in order to think and react and perform, not just in a language that is foreign to me, but also in a way that is foreign to me. Because people from different cultures and languages reach their punchlines differently. Okay. They make humor differently. They make jokes and tell jokes differently. So I had to be in that mind space. And this is an ongoing process of, uh, this is a work in, uh, in progress. Uh, every day I go to stage and, and it's very interesting to see that unfold. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking because I was in the comedy world for a long time doing photography, not obviously a stand-up comedy. But uh, just observing all the comics, it's hard enough being, you know, in your own country with your first language and learning it. There's so much to it. The writing has to be good. The timing has to be good. The punchline has to be good. You have to really, I mean, you have like hecklers that you have to deal with and certain things happen and you just have to kind of go with the flow and you have to be thinking so far ahead. I, I can see, you know, and, and the cool thing about your, I, I would have never known that you were, uh, you know, like, I don't want to say struggling because you were struggling, but you're saying it was difficult to learn and like still, relearn it. Is, yeah. But to, to me, just seeing so much comedy. And I remember the first night that I saw you do stand up, it wasn't the best lineup that I've seen. And you stood out to me as one of the best that night. And um, I was like, okay, finally a, a good one. Like uh, that, you know? And then I kept seeing you for a few weeks and I still laughed at the same joke that I have now heard, you know, three or four times. I still laugh like it's the first time I hear it. And I, I know like good comedy and bad comedy when I hear it because I've had to hear it for so many years. And so I just want to, you know, like assure you or like let you know that I think that you have done an amazing job and it well, couldn't be easy. Well, thank you so much. It will help much more if you are a, a Netflix executive, but thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy again. to get that kind of uh, acknowledgement. But yeah, <laughs> it, if you can make yourself into some sort of an HBO executive, that okay. would be great. Okay. And that will help a lot, but yeah, I will I will take this compliment in a, on a, on this uh, side by side <laughs> table setting in this very weird um, atmosphere. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, I use, uh, I mean, there's Facebook Basim Yusuf, and but the Instagram at Basim, just my name. I much more. Uh, 
I kind of like use Instagram more. Facebook as much. It's just too much. I don't do Facebook. It's too much. I still do. I have to do Facebook, but like I, it's, yeah. I should. Do the, the people, people on Facebook are much more vicious. Maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe you have Instagram because you're getting more with pictures, kind of like. Eh. There's, there's still, there's still like you know, jerks everywhere, but mm. it's, yeah, less jerks on Instagram. Yeah. In my own experience. Yeah, you have a big following on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just three and a half million people. <laughs> Probably half of them hate me, so but that's fine. Oh, <laughs> they, hey, they still follow you, so they yeah, they, that, you that, that's called hate following. Nah, well, yeah. That's like hate watching. You know you're doing something right when you've got the haters. Yeah, or you're or you're totally wrong. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I I can't wait to see these new projects. I know. Um, you know the the book i think being a kid's show is so important right now and and where we're at and where kids are at and i think that that's going to be amazing and then the whole vegan thing i am so excited about that because i have been really passionate obviously about fitness and nutrition for a long time and i do know that living a vegan lifestyle um, can help with your health so much and, and, I, and I, the planet and the planet save the planet so save the whales save the dolphins <laughs> save the fish it just works out better for everybody if everyone's yeah, just vegan yeah. um so i can't wait to see what you do with that project so and thank you so much for coming down to Saramanca and <laughs> being in this weird environment we're doing what we can Thank you so much for having me and now back to the Zoom podcast. <laughs>